Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast. I'm Missy Stevens. I'm a mom and dot 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 writer, foster care advocate. And this week, I am single-handedly keeping the delivery drivers in business with my reorganization redecorating project. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. I hope you're doing before and after pictures. So, <gasps> so you know I'm a sucker for this. Oh, and I <laughs> am Suzanne Kearns. I'm a mom and dot, dot, dot writer, LGBTQ advocate. And this week, I am a pre-half marathon panicker because we've got a month to go and we are frozen out of training this week. And yeah, and you I need to seven, find a treadmill somewhere. I don't know. I think we might just do the Peloton and I don't know. Maybe if I stand up, it's like I'm. Like, it is kind of. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I need to figure it out. Well, this week we are so excited. We have Doreen Dodger McGee on the show. Doreen is a mom and dot 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 author, psychologist, researcher, and speaker. Her new book, Restart: Designing a Healthy Post-Pandemic Life, has been featured on CNN, PBS and in the Washington Post, Inside Higher Ed, and Well and Good. Her first book, Deviced, Balancing Life and Technology in a Digital Age, was awarded the 2018 Gold Medal for Psychology by the Nautilus Book Awards. Doreen's writing has appeared in the Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, Psychology Today, and Health Magazine, as well as other popular press outlets. She offers various talks and workshops on numerous topics related to the impact of digital overuse, on health. Doreen (laughs) is a national spokesperson and senior survivor fellow with Every Town for Gun Safety. And she is also a lead consultant with the COVID Survivors for Change. Wow. Amazing. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Those things are just sort of ancillary. I'm just a person. Goodness. No, a person doing a lot of good. Yeah. Talk about making your ellipses count. For sure. (laughs) And so, okay. So one of my favorite things about doing the podcast is just the total rabbit hole that we have for like when we start researching a guest and then it makes us think about another guest. And so I was actually looking up Olga Mecking's viral New York Times article that she did on Nixon that actually started her book Nixon. And y'all, if you want to learn more about that, uh, Olga visited us back on episode six. She was one of our very first guests. Yes, she was. Uh, But she had quoted you in the article. And so I was like, ooh, I want to learn more about her. And then as I just started digging more and more, I learned about, oh my gosh, your first book, Device. So that was kind of what was referred to in that article. And the fact that we need to do a little more nothing versus scrolling on our uh, on our devices. But then learning about your new book that we're so excited as we're trying to relaunch and restart into this new It's not even post-COVID world. I'm sure you had high hopes while you were writing the book that we would be more (laughs) post-COVID. Eventually we'll be post-COVID. But I just want to know everything about you. Like, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Like, where did your career start? You know, what things have kind of progressed to get you where you are today? Well, that's a great question. And I, that interview with Olga was a really high point for me. I can, I remember it so well because uh, her kids were running around as we were doing our interview and I got to meet them and chat with them. It was just really beautiful. Um, I grew up wanting to be a psychologist, although I had no idea in the world what that meant. I literally had no idea. Yes. <laughs> I got in my head that I wanted to be a psychologist. I'd never met one. I had no, I, I didn't know anything about them. But mostly the thing, I, I really honestly, mostly the thing I knew I wanted to do more than anything else was parent. And so I was very fortunate um, to, to get to do that. I, I know that is a privilege. And I found as on my way to both that uh, working as a psychologist was a way that I could primarily parent, but also have a, a little bit of a foot in a professional world. So I Walked across the stage for my PhD, pregnant. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> and then, and um, and never worked more than about ten or twelve hours the whole time that my kids were growing up, and only did that when my husband could be home and with them. So I was very, I feel very fortunate that I've been able to have this little yeah. little bit of a professional presence while I was primarily. I I really called myself an at home parent. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's really mostly what I did. And then as my kids um, 
grew right around the time that my kids were in middle school, flip phones were coming out and I was beginning to see both the way that they interrupted the social exchange and the social interchange and the the Mm -hmm. comfort with embodied social gatherings for kids. And I began watching that. And at the same time, I became an auntie and started to try to find my favorite toys from when my kids and I were, and I were little and found that they were all chipped. They all had computer chips. Like, so the Fisher Price farm, you no longer say moo to the cow. You put the cow in a little thing and it makes a digital moo. And I started seeing like, oh, wait a minute. This is going to interrupt now embodied play at at first developmental stage. And then again, at this really important mid-childhood developmental stage. So I got super interested. And while they were still kind of growing and and at home, uh, started experimenting a lot as a family with the digital moderateness. And um, Oh, your kids must have loved that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was much easier for me because we were at the early end. I I have so much empathy for parents. I say consistently and I get challenged sometimes, but I will hold to it to my core that there's never been a harder time to parent and there's never been a harder time to grow up than it is right now. And so, so as they launched, I began getting more loud mouthed because I couldn't get anybody, any of the toy companies to respond to me. So I decided, well, let's (laughs) take this show on the road then and started speaking more (laughs) and, and ended up doing a lot of speaking at universities where I would just find myself you know, for three days immersed with tables full of young adults who were just talking to me about how hard it was to grow up and how hard it was to manage the digital versus uh, embodied lives. And that's where the book came from. And then um, from there, it's kind of branched and launched into ways I never would have dreamed. And now I, I'm so thrilled to get to just be digging really much further into how our technology use helps us and hurts us. And and again, then parlaying that into this, I, I think that as we do begin to reopen, I'm seeing it as this opportunity for kind of a do-over mm-hmm. <laughs> for us as individuals, for us as families to say, hey, what wasn't working? And how can we restart kind of with this beginner's mind? How can we think about ways that we can become healthier, both with our tech and away from our tech? And, and right. use use this time as a way of setting new norms rather than just falling back into old habits. Yeah, I yeah. think it's so important because, you know, because we did, there's probably some good habits that we've done as far as, you know, maybe sitting down for more meals or having some more family time together since those are the only people that you have the option to spend time with. Um, but then there's also, you know, some bad habits. So really curious of what you have seen around some of the good and the bad and, and kind of your general philosophy philosophy on habits. Well, one of my favorite sayings uh, that came out of me just surprised in a surprise way, but has stuck is that it's always easier to establish healthy norms than to break bad habits. You know, so it's always easier to put normative behaviors in place that will lead us toward health than it is to try to break a habit that we fall into. It's not easy to establish healthy norms, (laughs) but it's an easier path. We'd all do it. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I, I, I like to think about the fact that right now at this particular time in history, we started running a marathon that we never signed up for and that we had done no training for, and we thought it was a sprint. So we're like, oh, we'll, we'll, you know, quarantine at home for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, um, you know, we're in this marathon with, and then the other thing is it's got a constantly changing finish line and it, also requires that we have a lack of access to the types of rewards that are normally sustaining to us, you know, Mm -hmm. social connection, um, engagement with the arts or, you know, whatever it is. Or dinner out in a restaurant for heaven's sake. Right, right, right. And so, so we all, we, we fell into habits that would preserve us, but we know from runners that we will injure ourselves if we don't start paying attention to the realities and the message Mm. indicators that both our minds and our emotions and our bodies give us. And so mm-hmm. I just, I really um, am encouraging folks to think about this as a time to do a couple of things. Work at breaking some of the habits that have not sustained us. And the only realistic way we can do that requires a few things. First of all, it requires buy-in. Us just saying we're going to break this habit, like for with no tie to any kind of reason why it will never work. And getting yeah. buy-in from the people around us is really important. And then because we're still in this time, really thinking about breaking habits by kind of stepping down. So rather than just, I'm going to break this habit cold turkey, I'm going to step mm. back. So instead of playing a violent video game for three hours, 
how would if I play it for two and a half hours for a week? And then how would if I play it for two hours? Or, <laughs> you know? yes. um, and then in addition to that, the thing that I think a lot of folks, when they think about habits and norms don't talk about is that while you are stepping the habit behavior down, we also have to step up rewards and we have to step up what I call kind of muses, the things that, that make us willing to step away from that habit without even really realizing we're doing it. So if we don't add these kind of beautiful yeses to our lives, it makes the habits, the things we're saying no to much more powerful. And so the way that I think about doing that, and I, I write about this in the book, is, is by really thinking about what are my core values. And, and I have a, a couple of exercises that I encourage people to do, but, you know, use a values list and try to get it down to like two or three and then, and then think about the, the, the exciting, sparkly fight, I call them fiery parts of those, of those values that could be muses that, you know, so maybe my value is connection and my habit is that I'm texting everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. And I realized to really have meaningful connection with at least one or two people, it would be worth the discomfort to hear their voices and to set aside time. And maybe even to do the awkward work of saying, I only have five minutes, but I'd really like to hear your voice. And that becomes then the muse and the norm. So the norm is every five texts that I send to Jennifer, I'm going to make one phone call, mm. even if it's a four minute phone call to her or whatever it may be. Mm, I love um, that. No, that's, that's the way that I think about this. You just mentioned core values, which is another one yes. of our favorite things. We've talked about going through the list and narrowing down the list. And we've even looked at um, like looking at the major events throughout your life and seeing what was present or what was missing from those in order to determine like which one of your values was either being enhanced or squashed. So do you have anything uh, kind of outside of those exercises that is your favorite values exercise? Yeah, I, I wish that I could have gotten I tried to find and just wasn't able to to nail it down but I have a colleague who does a values um exercise where she actually writes value the names of values on a deck of cards and then they play like a card game where everybody in the family has to you kind of have to barter and you end up each person ends I up like with it. their two or three I'm like what am I willing to give up in order to get that thing I really really want and oh I think, my gosh. And that is a really, I, I want that link. Yeah. To <laughs> I want you to, to send it to it. us. Yes, I will because... keep working at finding it. It's it's a powerful yeah. exercise. Um, the thing that I do, I talk a lot in my work about spotting points. And spotting points are we, we see them in particular um relief with dancers, where you know they will on the stage, they will pick a, a light at the oh, back of the auditorium like an exit sign and they will train their gaze to it they spot to that light so when they spin they don't become dizzy they don't get out of line in the choreography mm -hmm. snowboarders do this with chalk on the ground musicians do this with that inner ear microphone you know it's that spotting point that keeps us on board and so I oftentimes if I'm like speaking at a retreat I will bring a bunch of sticky notes and I will have people write you know all about make their own sticky note deck of values cards and literally stick them around the room <laughs> yes. and then and then start to look at two or three and see which ones like that I'm never going to want to spot to that that's never going to be my major one you know wealth let's say or whatever you know that's an easy one to get rid uh -huh. of um, until you kind of narrowed it down to a few and then to literally start sort of pretending like this is your life spotting point so you know you take one sticky note and you stick it on the window in front of where you do the dishes <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and you, and you start kind of imagining life through the lens of if I was spotting toward that, what else would fall away mm. or, you know, and, and just living with them for a while. Um, I have one family who each, each family member picked a window and they put all their sticky notes on the windows and then they could kind of help each other narrow down based on what they knew about each other. And, you know, so those are, that's just one exercise that I have used. It's proven really helpful. Oh, I love I just those. love it so much. And I had my I always joke Did about, your not joke, but my <laughs> stomach just flips and tightens. And I know that's when I've heard something that spoke to me and I want to go back to where I, my stomach first started flipping over. And when you talked about getting buy-in from the people around you, because mm -hmm. I think, I think one of the things I've done really well as a parent, my husband and I have done is that our children have a lot of agency over themselves and they know who they are in a lot of ways. And will advocate for themselves, but they are still young 
And so sometimes they're advocating for what they think is the right thing for them. But I know that they're probably in that device too much. They're really specifically thinking about devices right now. And something that happened to us in that COVID time when we were more locked down was we developed this habit as a family of eating dinner and watching a show. And it was something then that we could all talk about. And then we shared it and it has led to family jokes, but we're really having a hard time undoing that. Not only do my children want to eat and watch a show, if we're not going to watch a show, because we've watched all of Netflix now, I feel like we're kind of out of TV. And if we're not going to do that, they want to sit at the table and read a book. I have one who's a huge reader. So, I mean, you can't really fight with that, but he wants to read. I have another one who wants to watch his videos about Minecraft and they fight me on family dinner, which used to be a no brainer. We sat down at the table almost every night together, except for those nights where practices can, you know, interfered with it. So I'm having trouble getting buy-in, I guess is the short answer. The short part of that story is. When I talk to them about family dinner, it is like I have said, I am going to feed you gruel and you have to eat it in silence. Like it's that miserable to them. And so I'm trying to figure out, do you have any tips or tricks for getting buy-in to go back, to reset and kind of step back to this place where we used to be? Yeah. The first thing that comes to my mind, and again, I'm, this is on the fly, but is how, you know, is there any way that we can take this from thinking about, okay, we're going to talk about family dinner, which is already kind of seen as this like uh, topic, you know, <laughs> if they're, if that's what it's become into like, what if I start naming it? Hey, y'all, I want to talk to you about family adventure time, or Hey, <laughs> I want to talk to you about family show and tell that we're going to start having at five o'clock at night. And Oh, by the way, <laughs> dinner is going to be happening too, but, um, but every, you know, I'm inviting you and maybe it's even something like, it looks like you leave them each a little invitation. That's kind of magical at some level with, you know, a, a Minecraft logo or something and say, we're going to, you know, meet us at the table at five o'clock. And I know we can't do this every day because we're exhausted and right. <laughs> way more things to do. But if we were working at the buy-in part, you know, and then, and then just saying like, we're going to cut, we're going to cut this time together around this table. Again, not calling it family dinner time down to just like 25 minutes. And will we do it? Everybody's going to bring something interesting to share. And I'm going to provide the theme the, the board that you can look at the list on the board and, and it's probably going to be a little challenging and you're going to have to right. be extra sparkly and magic the first <laughs> couple of nights. Like, um, but you know, if there any way that, again, that we can make it about a yes, or we're all going to sit around the table for 20 minutes. And I, I, I dare you to, to uh, surprise me with what you wear. Oh, that's cute. I like that. I Although like my that. son I surprises like me every night with what he wears. <laughs> I like the idea of this. If we reframe it back to moms, you know, our podcast is heavily focused on moms. I selfishly asked a question for my family, but we're all in this like restarting phase right now. And I think even as grown adults who should know better, moms have probably fallen into some rough spots with not just how we parent, but how we work. I think about myself working from the couch a lot of days, which is part of the reason I'm redoing my office so or that I bed. want to go sit there <laughs> or the bed, um, which is a lovely place to work. I don't discount it, but it's not always right. So taking that idea into how do we as moms look at this restart into a, a world we don't really recognize? Have you seen some things that have worked for women? Have you seen some things that did not work? What, what are your thoughts there? Such a good question. I think one of the things that, um, and this kind of parlays even back to what we were just talking about, but one of the biggest things that I am hearing as I talk to people and as I worked on the book was just the, the real disconnect from our bodies that has occurred. Mm. And especially for caretakers, you know, they're thinking about everyone else first right now and, you know, thinking about how they can prepare their children or, you know, whoever it is that they're caring for. And, and then there's this disconnect from their body, but at the same time, at the end of the day, they live in this bag of skin that, yes. <laughs> that does require some care. And, and if, without it, you know, you're going to be facing the, the reality that you can't keep going. And I, I'm going to tie it a little bit of research just because I think it's so illustrative for caregivers in particular. 
But if you look at research out of like subarctic research centers or space centers or even solitary confinement for incarcerated mm -hmm. folks, you find that when, when people are in situations where they're isolated and they know that there's an end date, somewhere around the third quarter of that period of time, they face what researchers call the third quarter phenomenon, which includes things like agitation, reactivity, uh, signs of kind of depression and anxiety, more anger than normal. And also this kind of physiological sense of kind of like, I just can't keep going. And I hear a lot of caregivers have those kinds of symptoms right now. And we're in a prolonged period of third quarter phenomenon with no known end in sight. Yeah, yes. And the reason that I think that's so important is to be aware that our bodies and our, and our minds and our hearts are giving us message indicators that we are ignoring at all times to attend to everybody else's message indicators or the message indicators of these little things. You know, we would never... Never yes. not pay attention to these message indicators. Yes. <laughs> and so um, I think the first thing that has to happen, it goes back to you guys talking about core values, is creating whatever kind of realistic time and space there can be for a small period of assessment. And I am not kidding. During quarantine, I talked to moms or you know caregivers or female identified folks a lot about finding whatever space that is, even if it's only for 10 minutes. Even if it's only in the bathtub with blankets, because that's the only room in the house that you can lock the door on. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but <clears throat> taking this 10 minutes of time, and then it's hard because we're not used to doing it. So we, we get distracted and we kind of think we have to think about everything. But to use that time to go kind of inside and, and, and to do just a quick scan, I encourage people to kind of breathe in all of your attention. And, and, and imagine it like a feather floating in the inside of your body from side to side, all the way down, paying attention to the thoughts that are kind of overwhelming right now, the feelings that are overwhelming, all of the places of tightness in your body. And to think about what are the few things I really need to care for this being that is caring for so many others. And I think about that as caregivers are kind of like sponges. And at the beginning of a day, or the beginning of a month or the beginning of a pandemic, <laughs> the sponges, <laughs> it, you know, has a lot of capacity. And so it goes to clean up all these different messes. Well, if it doesn't get squeezed out on mess three or four or six or seven or a hundred, you put the sponge down and it makes a bigger mess. Oh, and caregivers yeah. are walking around as soap sponges right now. And so in any way that we can yeah. begin to privilege realistic, small ways of squeezing out that sponge. And that's where I say 10 minutes a day of just literally deep breathing or boredom. That's where I, that's where, you know, um, Olga and I love each other. Yes. Uh, you know, this 10 minutes a day of doing absolutely nothing. And I think especially as, as mothers, as caregivers, we keep putting that off. Oh, well, when I finish the laundry, I'll do that. Oh, when mm -hmm. I get that next thing done. Oh, when I get the lunches made. At some point, we have to privilege this yes. this small, sacred moment. <laughs> you feel like you have to earn it sometimes, which is so bizarre. Yes, mm -hmm. it's already been yes. earned. It's all, <laughs> you're human, so it's all you've already got. The doctor's note that, that says that this is required. That's right. You are a doctor. You've given us the note. Give <laughs> me the note. Uh -huh. <laughs> It, uh, it makes me kind of want to cry to think about what collectively we're all these soaked sponges when you put it that way. And just, and I, I look at who I was at the beginning of the pandemic and I was filled with this, this energy of like, it's not going to be that long and we're going to make it work and we're going to do these things. And I was going to help the kids study from home. And there was a whiteboard and a schedule and I involved them in all the decisions and Oh, and now I'm like, everyone, that's part of our dinner problem. Probably. I'm like, yes, grab your device. I'm going to grab my device. It's time for me to crush the candy and eat my <laughs> salad and just everybody be quiet. Like it's just fallen to this place where I don't really recognize myself. I'm not me in a lot of ways. And listening to you talk about the reason a lot of moms may feel that way is just, it's devastating really what we're all going through. It's yeah. really true. I think one of the, the the things that can happen is when we are inspired. So when you caught that moment just now, you know, and it made you feel like you're going to cry or whatever. It's a great moment to just say, okay, what can I do in the next two minutes to put together a tiny little basket that I can sit near the window in my house 
that, you know, every day I can force myself five minutes, five minutes to just like, and all I do in that space is just remind myself why I'm doing what I'm doing and take a few deep breaths. Or maybe I, you know, listen to a meditation and, um, and maybe I let my kids watch some egregious video thing that really <laughs> distracts them <laughs> so that I can do it. But it, it literally, you know, if we don't just start in the middle of this mess where we are, we won't. Mm-hmm. So I, another big thing that I keep saying during this time in particular is good enough is both good and enough. Ooh, it's <laughs> getting that it's, a tattoo. That's a tattoo. Right? right I do have prints. I can send you all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so true. Oh, you know, I think the thing Missy was kind of talking about the change that the pandemic has had. And I mean, your book does this beautifully. I mean, this idea of re-entering the world, restarting. And I think one of the things I have kind of lost along the way is a little bit of, I guess, maybe empathy or mm. I'm kind of pissed off at the people who I feel like are not helping right now. <laughs> like, and this is yep. my own judgment. Sorry, not sorry, listeners, <laughs> if you feel the other way on this. But I mean, as far as I have a lot of friends um, who are either battling cancer or who are battling other issues or have really young kids who can't get vaccines. And it makes me so mad when I see people not willing to wear a mask because they feel like, well, I'm fine. And I'm like, well, that's great. But I have a friend who had a double lung transplant and she would really like to be able to, you know, get out of her house. So I'm, yeah. as you can tell, I got some issues. <laughs> I don't have a lot of empathy for people right now, um, you know, around vaccines or masks or whatever. And I feel like I am modeling that for my kids and I don't necessarily think that's the best thing. Um, so I don't know. I'm sure you're seeing this with some of your other clients, but like some best practices. I'm almost to the point where like, I don't even know if I want to have empathy for them. I'm so mad at them. <laughs> like, how do I, I get, get past it? How do I get mm-hmm. past it? That makes so much sense. Uh, you know, there's a a line from a Wendell Berry poem that has been helping me a lot in this time. And 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 out of context, it maybe doesn't make as much sense, but but I'll try to make it make sense. You know, he he starts with you easy lovers and forgivers of mankind stand back. And what he's saying is, you know, people who are not willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of their community <laughs> stand mm-hmm. back. <laughs> yes. uh, I will love you, but from a distance. And not because you deserve it. My love (laughs) must be discriminate or fail to bear its weight. And I think one thing right now is that caregivers have an eye toward people who are vulnerable. And so Mm -hmm. caregivers, mothers are going to have an eye toward people who cannot right now because of because this pandemic is not slowing down because we haven't hit the levels of vaccination that we need to for it to be safe for everyone so your anger is righteous and your big feelings are normal and contextually make sense and so i think the biggest thing that we can do is be able to own our big feelings. So rather rather than focusing on it, maybe a reality that I just don't have empathy for these folks, rather than focusing on that with, in, in how you talk with your kids, talk about, I have a lot of anger about the fact that we are not being able to reach these levels that we can reach. And anger is right in some situations. Anger is not a negative, bad emotion. Hmm. It is an emotion that I'm feeling. And so I have to figure out how to do that. And if I'm going to say that I am also an a person who is willing to love everyone, then I have to figure out a way to live with this anger and leave every encounter respecting the other person I've encountered and also myself. Yes. (laughs) And that may mean that sometimes if an encounter is going sideways, I may need to say like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Or ouch, out and walk away. Like just saying, I need to register my anger, but I'm not going to, you know, in, in these moments of such a strong binary, people are trying to provoke other people at all the time. Mm-hmm. And we know as moms, right, that the most effective natural consequence is to not give energy to someone who's trying to provoke us. That's true. Right. That's so true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> like, you know, you just ignore the tantrum and, you know, hey, when you can talk to me in a, in a kind, respectful voice, I'll be happy to engage. And that's what I mean by these moments of like, ouch or wow. And, and literally then 
not giving it more energy. Yeah. Nothing deflates a tantrum faster than and it's you the go same. do you. That's yep. fine. And it's <laughs> the same in social media spaces right now around or. Mm-hmm. And it's a little less space. snarky than bless your heart, which is the Texas version. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It, Although and it's, sometimes it's, it's called for. <laughs> and it's respectful of self. It's like saying, you know what? I, I need to respect myself and you and I'm now, sometimes you may want to engage. And, and I, think, I think the other thing that's really important for our children to see us do is to, uh, that we can um, sort of, in a moment, pause. That's the most important thing. So when we feel that lack of empathy or that righteous anger, to pause and to make a conscious choice. What do I choose to do with this? Am I going to choose to engage? Am I going to choose to take a few deep breaths? and walk away. And that's the most powerful thing. So helping yeah. our children see, I've got these huge feelings and I'm in a model for you taking a pause. Yeah. And once we've taken a pause in that pause, I'm going to make some hard decisions that you aren't going to be able to see in my head, but I want to tell you about them so you can know how to make them later. I'm going to decide mm-hmm. if this is an important enough relationship for me to engage or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to decide if this is an important enough issue for me to engage or not. I'm going to decide if I can kind of do this with a way that respects my own emotional well-being or not. But, yeah. And I think those kinds of things are powerful teachers for our children. And again, that all ties back to that values exercise and that values yeah. piece too. So it all it all comes back to values. I think that that should be the title of our podcast now because that's what we get every episode. <laughs> I do wonder if we should redo our tagline because we talk about it a lot. We do. Uh, I want to, if we have a minute of time, talk about, we've talked a lot about caregivers and the exhaustion caregivers are feeling and the lack of value placed on caregiving in the community. You've talked some about this. I would love to share with our listeners. What are some things that we can do to really advocate for change around this, whether it's policy change or just change in the way we ourselves view caregiving and taking care of those people? Well, I absolutely Uh, advocate for people if they have the capacity (laughs) to advocate for policy change and to just a simple thing that people can do is make a part of your uh, scrolling and browsing be to just find out who your state rep and who your state senator are and to take a look at what their stances on things like paid family leave are and you know, where they are on making sure that everyone has a living wage and, you know, mm-hmm. things where they stand on domestic violence um, things, you know, just, just acquaint yourself. And you can usually find this out just by typing in your zip code and who is my state rep. And then it goes to their website and you can just read their policies. And if they don't, if, if you don't align with the way in which they're thinking about how they value the people who are taking care of the vulnerable people in their community, children, mm-hmm. aging, individuals with disabilities, um, you, you can just write them a quick note. It doesn't need to be perfect and polished. The mom version of this note can just be, hey, I looked at your website. I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm confused as to why you aren't advocating for paid family leave. Why, you know, um, mm-hmm. could you tell me more? And that's going to require them to respond to you. <laughs> yes. So it doesn't need to be perfect. It just is, you know, getting a conversation going. And then the second thing I, I, I would say is just, it, it also has to be, again, at this personal level and with the family buy-in. And so helping, mm-hmm. you know, we, we unconsciously train the people in our family that we can go without over and over and over all the time. And I, I talk with this a lot of times with moms and say like, what did your mom do to model self-care or not? And <laughs> usually you can go like, oh, not so much or oh, not in ways I would like. Or, you know? yes. um, and so to begin thinking about, you know, what are we passively teaching our children in the way in which we relate to our friends, our partners, and the way in which we relate to our own body, uh, our own selves. And then again, to, to kind of try to find ways that everyone can support each other's caring for the self. One way I encourage families to do that is to, at one of those family adventure times, um, everybody has a piece of paper and a cool, funky pen in front of their, their place. And to spend one dinner time making lists of 20 items for each person are going to be different of things that really refresh or rejuvenate or enliven each person and making sure that those lists are very diverse. So things that they Mm -hmm. can do in a moment, like take three deep breaths to things that you have to prepare for, like go to a movie or, Mm -hmm. you know, go on a weekend trip and, 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 um, and then everybody can kind of 
you know, hey, I've really noticed that when you sit down with a word search, you like relax. So I think a word search should go on there or, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody mm-hmm. kind of shares and then to post those. And so because part of the other things that caregivers face is they're making so many decisions in a day that by the time they get to that five or 10 minutes for themselves, decision fatigue has had oh, yes. no idea what to do. Yes. Right. So if they have a place they can go and they're like, okay, I've got 10 minutes and I could probably really benefit from a 10 minute shower Mm -hmm. (laughs) or, you know, or whatever it is, or a 10 minute phone call to Mm -hmm. that friend or, and and I'm setting the time when I'm saying at the beginning of the call, I have to be off in 10 minutes, but I just want to do whatever it is. Yeah. And I've gotten really great responses from that exercise. It's so funny. So many of the really great tips that always strike me, I think, are the ones with the timer <laughs> that yes. the other coaches have talked about, too. And I think it is because we think everything has to be so big and it has to be, a, you know, a weekend getaway or something. And there's so much that can happen in just a couple of minutes. I spent, you know, talk, going back to Nixon, it really is just a couple of minutes just sitting there. People get intimidated by meditation because they feel like they're doing it wrong or you feel like you don't, you know, have the right equipment or whatever. But literally just any place that you are just sitting and staring off. I mean, so, we yeah. can all do it. We can all do yes. it. It's so uncomfortable. And I it's, loved your quote about how it's like exercise where it's like painful for a while, but then after a while you're like, oh, this feels good to okay. do this. And but so but yeah. we just got to get past those first yeah. few times where it's like, this feels weird. I don't like it. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. So the, the book I was pitching when COVID hit was called Welcome to My Boredom Party. Oh my gosh, I want to buy that book too. (laughs) It was all based on this idea of integrating small moments. And and the reason that this came to me is because research out of, well, let me back up. So in the first book, you know, talking about technology, it it has many beautiful benefits to it. And thank goodness we had it during this time. Oh yeah. And it comes with some huge costs, right? And one of the costs that it appears to come with in all the correlational research and some causal research uh, is that it, it, redirects wiring or encourages firing in the regions of the brain that are not responsible for things like focus, the ability to delay, the ability to tolerate boredom, the ability to become still and become kind of internally focused. Those regions of the brain are not stimulated by this, which means that we do not create wiring in the regions of the brain. Oh my because where the brain doesn't fire together, it doesn't wire That's together. Scary. It's really scary, and it's and it's also a huge cause for empathy because we've created a world within which we are literally offering our kids the tools that prune off the regions of the brain related to focus. Then we're frustrated mm. with them when they can't focus. But it isn't just like a behavioral thing; it's literally neurological as well. So the cool thing is, so we know there's decreased wiring in that prefrontal cortex, which is kind of the uh, responsible for the executive functioning that we have or don't have. But the research out of uh, spirituality practices, out of yoga practices, really great hardcore research shows that 10 minutes a day of mindfulness meditation, of contemplative prayer or rhythmic exercise where it gets you into that sort of zone where you're kind of like in a meditative state almost. Mm -hmm. And I'm experimenting with 10 minutes a day of boredom, doing nothing deliciously, um, actually doubles (laughs) the gray matter in the prefrontal cortex, if done for uh, consistently for four months, and doubles the myelinization. That means doubles. That you, doubles. It means you can uh, ten minutes a day, and it means you can you know you're you're increasing the efficiency of the brain and the power of the brain because that's the gray matter and the myelinization. So why not you know help our kids know this that just this ten minutes can improve everything you do. It will improve your ability to, to perform in the sport you perform in or the art form that you pursue or the writing that you do or even the coding that you do and the yeah. relationships that you have. So we're going to practice as a family being bored. We're going to start with three minutes. Yes. You're going to feel like you're going to die. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So we're going to get through it. <laughs> Since I am the nuts and bolts person. So we're talking about boredom in the not, I mean, because there's probably several activities that my son would consider boring, but are still like, actually, he loves puzzles. An activity, I can't yeah. use that. As, but it's still not like truly boredom, boredom. You're talking like Nixon level staring out the window, right? Mm-hmm. Not any purposeful activity. If, yeah, correct. Eventually. But on the way to that, we can um, employ some tools to help us. The thing that I would say is, you know, making sure that any fidgets or activities that you would engage in that time don't require any cognitive processing. 
probably even visual spatial. So, so it might be pipe cleaners, just a big, huge thing of pipe cleaners. Cause that doesn't require, it doesn't require anything. You just bend them and twist them or do whatever you want or Play-Doh or kinetic sand or um, a Hoberman sphere that just gets big and small, not a Rubik's cube, not a number puzzle. Not, oh my, you know. God. my son has learned how to do a Rubik's cube in <laughs> under like 10 seconds. Now that's what COVID has done to him. That's amazing. <laughs> know, right? it's, it's crazy. It's just a pattern, right? Right, right. It's yeah. just a pattern. I but I've been told that a million times and shown the pattern and I'm still like, I don't yeah. know, I can't do no. it. <laughs> so yeah, we need to downgrade him. Go from the Rubik's yeah. cube down to some sand. They love some connected sand. I love yeah. that. And you I can, just and found a bunch of pipe cleaners and my cleaning out and reorganizing. There you go. I know where my pipe cleaners are. (laughs) And and you can even start with, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to go on to whatever meditation app we use, or I have some on my website. I've got some three minute meditations. We're going to do that together. And then we're going to have one minute of doing nothing. And you're going to, you're going to end up, you know, laughing. And I have invited people to boredom parties. And the the thing that you do, we can't do them right now because of COVID, but you, you invite people that you don't curate the list. You know, normally we curate a list for who's Mm going to come together, right? You don't curate the list. And the, the agreed commitment that everybody comes is you can come with a creative idea or two, and you can even bring some things if you want, but you can't have an agenda and no alcohol for the first hour. (laughs) first hour I love it we're gonna be together in the most awkward situation and we're gonna see what bubbles up and I've had such of the coolest things bubble up in those moments so are you supposed to talk and stuff yeah you come together and you're sort of like well now we've got this hour that we're sort of you know and we're all together I I brought bottle caps and I'm going to teach you, I can teach you all how to flip bottle caps. Anybody else bring it, you know, like whatever it is. But, but again, we're just so used to everything being programmed and everything being full and productive and, Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't help our need to rest and, and our, and it doesn't build in us uh, the feeling of proficiency and being able to come to a moment with nothing planned. Right. And have it be meaningful. Love it. And I cannot wait. I really hope that that book ends up coming out in the world. And I love the idea. And we might have to have a mini party, Missy. We can do a boredom party on my porch. Yeah. Six feet away from each other. Oh, I love that. Okay. So we know about your books. Do you have uh, your website? I want to make sure we get the URL out for people before we kick into our look, listen, learns here. So what's your website again? doreendm.com so d-o-r-e-e-n-d-m.com and the meditations are on the resources page and there's a lot of videos and and there's also a covid page that has a lot of resources for during covid wonderful yeah we'll definitely link to those in the show notes and do you have any i know covid is kind of ruining the seminars and that type of thing but do you (laughs) have any events or seminars or anything that uh, we can help direct people to I think the biggest thing is just right now, the books and and my, my husband would tell you, if you need a really good uh, sleep tool, the audio version of my book, (laughs) (laughs) That's nothing like the love of a spouse, right? He means it in this beautiful way. Like your voice just puts people to sleep, not the content, but I think it's a hilarious thing. Oh my gosh. I have been having a horrible time falling asleep lately, but I don't want to fall asleep listening to the book because I want to learn from it. I know. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Okay, y'all, you heard it here. <laughs> It'll solve so many of your problems. Either one of them. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So I think we are ready for our look, listen, learn so. here, which is a time when we each share something that we've been watching, reading, or admiring, or listening to, or <laughs> learning about. Um. So, Doreen, we don't usually put our guest in the hot seat right away, just in case you need to gather some ideas, but. Missy, do you want to kick it off? Sure. I don't have a lot this week. I really did spend the majority of my free time and some not so free time, like culling through the things that had collected in our craft room. Well, it was a craft room for one part of its life. It's been our dining room. It's been, it's just the catch all room. It's been different things. And um, it was my office once before, and now it's going to be my office again. So I spent a lot of time just going through stuff and I didn't hear from you for like three or four days. Right. I, I thought I mean, maybe really. we were in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was in a fight with uh, pipe cleaners and the googly eyes and things that like I had boxes of stuff that when the kids were younger, they just, you know, you always were collecting craft supplies and 
Uh, my youngest doesn't really do it anymore, but art used to be his calm down tool. Like if he had a tough day or was overstimulated, he would even say, I'm just going to go draw, but he'd say it so mad. <laughs> I'm just going to go make art. <laughs> so we just had, had a ton of paper and stuff. And, you know, so I just cleaned through that and kind of made it a more grown up space. I'm in a space for myself. That's, I don't, I haven't learned much other than how to do that. And you've learned uh, how important I, it is to have that. So important. And like to go through the mess and come out on the other side. And of course it's, if you give a mom a muffin, because it's like, now I need to go do this. And now I need to go do this. And I'm <laughs> going to move this to this room and this to that room. And so it's chaos, but the best chaos. So in my downtime, when I wasn't doing that or working, um, I've been watching Queer Eye, the new series, the new episodes that were filmed in Austin. Yes. And I just love that group of people so much. And the first episode of this new season is so emotional. Oh, with Broken Spoke. Yeah. Broken oh. Spoke, which I spent a lot of my high school um, <laughs> Friday and Saturday nights at the Spoke. So it's a place that's near and dear to my heart, but then also it took place pre-pandemic and mm -hmm. then they had to shut down filming and come back after the pandemic. And anytime I watch anything that bumps up against that time, it just brings up all this emotion of what we didn't know then. And you're watching it and you're like, I didn't know it. I know it looking at them now. I know yes. what they don't know yet. And it's just, it's, it was a very emotional episode to watch yeah. beyond the normal emotion that comes with a Queer Eye episode, because they're always so just lovely with the, whoever they're making over and helping. They're just, mm -hmm. they're just, they're so sweet. They have people. such a fun so energy. Sweet. Yes. But you know, yes. I got that out of the, I was, told you I was watching The Amazing Race. We finally got to the mm -hmm. episode where they had to shut it down. Yeah. And then they showed the preview of the what is going to be the next episode, which is when, you know, some of the people come back, not all of them. I don't know the story behind why some and some couldn't. Mm. I had to get up and leave. I don't even know what it was. Just this, when he was doing the talk and being like, you know, uh, we don't know what's going to happen. We're going to send you home for your safety, but you know, hopefully we'll regroup soon. And I was just like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just like, right. you feel like you're seeing this future. And I had to get up because I was like, okay, I don't want to like start bawling in front of the kids and them being like, what? But I mean, even, yeah, yeah. just the amazing race got to me. So yeah, right, right. Clear, it's clear, not so much. Push me over. Right. It's not so much the amazing race. It's not so much queer eye. It's just that feeling of, I mean, yeah, they started filming that in like February, March of 2020. Yeah. They didn't know. And we still don't know. No, thing, and we still I don't think. freaking know. I think that is part of it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. That is emotional. Beyond okay. that emotional gut punch. I do highly recommend it if you're not watching it. <laughs> so much fun uh, and beyond that part. Yeah. So well, that's what, it for me this week. All right. What about you, Doreen? Well, I, that's interesting because I was going to say that I am uh, looking out my window a lot. <laughs> and and I mean that, like, really, I'm really trying to privilege sometimes I'm looking at my window. But yeah, when when you uh, brought that up, Missy, um, <laughs> I I have this weird relationship with Queer Eye where I, I need it. I need to know that there are episodes out there that I haven't seen so that if my life completely falls apart, I know that I can... <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was very fortunate and got to be on Jonathan's um, podcast, uh, getting curious uh, before the pandemic. Right. And, um, yes. and, and he blurred your book. Me. Yeah, he did blurb my book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, but I told him like, I can't, I, I have to ration it, you know, because I, I, and then he kind of got on me because that hurts their, that hurts their numbers. If people aren't watching <laughs> oh. it, binge. <laughs> Like, no, I need to change it. Their numbers so, are good. Like people are watching. <laughs> so, but I have had a, a lovely thing happen where I found another show that I love almost as much that I can now keep rationing both um, and, and have a longer time to have something out there. And it's We're Here on HBO Max. Oh, I no. cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, I am a person who I have two kids who came out of my body <laughs> and then I have one other kid that married one of the kids that came out of my body. But then I have a lot of extra kids who are really, I mean, like genuinely extra kids. Like they're with us on holidays. I love them like oh, my own. And, and this We're Here is basically a show where uh, three drag queens go into really conservative cities in the U.S., 
and make over an individual who has had a hard time moving in that city. And then they have a drag show at the end of this episode. Oh, and it, I just me, got so many goosebumps. Oh, <laughs> oh, it, oh, me, it's like I have found the people who see family like I do. Uh, and um, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It is an incredible, incredible show. Okay. Adding that to the list. That's amazing. And I think I'm, I, I'm um, reading a book called uh, The Whole Language by Gregory Boyle, who is the founder of Homeboy Industries. And yes. I think it should be required reading mm-hmm. for everyone. Um, and I'm learning. Um, I'm, I, be, I became a plant person during the pandemic. I could Ooh. not keep plants alive to save my life before. Missy can help you. She's, <laughs> a, she's certified. <laughs> Yay. Well, I, I, I post-pandemic, I became a master gardener because of my obsession grew so much in the mm-hmm. pandemic. Okay. Well, so yeah, this winter I'm learning about how to winter plants, which is teaching me a lot about how to winter myself. Um, And there's a lot of learning there about like, okay, I don't need as much of this thing that I do when I'm super, super active and I need more of this thing. And it's being really important teacher to me right now. So I love that. I need that because I left all my plants outside again last night. Just pull them in today. Last night, they were probably fine. Pull them yeah. in today. That is a self-care lesson. Even even I would not leave myself out in the 20 degree weather. But oh, but no, that's such an interesting point as far as like applying some of the rules of nature and getting back yes. to before we had all these other things, the modern society things that we roll into our lives and just kind of listening to the natural flow of that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And we aren't static. We don't always need the same thing. I love that way of looking at it. Like your plants don't need food as much in an ongoing season. They don't need water as much in the winter. You can kill them if you give them that. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I have in the past many a time. And like really... I feel if like you see the Nutella bottle on my counter. <laughs> yeah. like paying attention to our own needs, the way we pay attention to our plants needs is just, oh, that's so lovely. I love that you said that. Except for that I'm so <laughs> with my plants. Well, <laughs> I am <laughs> with my plants and with myself. So it is a great lesson. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. So what have I been? What about you? What have I been looking at? I have been looking at, oh my gosh, Righteous Gemstones. Have you heard of this? I've never watched it. It's on my list. I started it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So John Goodman is the head of this like world famous televangelist mega church family. And his kids have just like every dysfunction that you can possibly imagine. They are a mess. It's super hilarious, but it also has a little dark. Like the first episode, like there's some vehicular, not manslaughter, but there's some... (laughs) There's some vans rolling over people, but it's just, Dark it's exactly what we need right now, especially because the other show that we are watching is uh, Station Eleven, which I read way back before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the first few episodes, my husband and I were like, this is a little too close to home as mm-hmm. far as, I don't as, know if know. we can do that right now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's balancing that out with the Righteous Gemstones because the big news of the week is that I finished The Sopranos. <laughs> It only took me, what, 20 years? <laughs> I finally <laughs> finished The Sopranos. Saw Are you the... bereft? I'm fine. Like, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Because, you know, I knew it was coming. I've had a yeah. few shows. We watched Six Feet Under. Um, mm. I watched the series finale. and This was 10 years ago. Not knowing that it was the finale. And I was just like, and it ended. And I was like, wait, like there should have been That's a warning it? at the beginning. So I knew that it was the end. And I knew that people had like this, you know, very love it, hate it reaction to this. I knew mm-hmm. that something was going to happen that was either going to, and I was fine with it. So that's good, but it's just nice. It's nice to have that wrapped up. <laughs> Felt <laughs> like something that's been hanging over my head since Zoe was born. Two decade uh, project. Let's see. And then I've been listening to Jill Smokler, who is our guest, actually the podcast that released today when we're recording this. So by the time this airs, it'll be like two weeks ago. Um, oh. But so Jill Smokler was the founder of Scary Mommy. She sold that off and spent two and a half years recovering from from the just identity crisis of having, yeah. I mean, that was basically selling off herself. I mean, it was a big, right. a big, big deal. Right. Um, and, but in the meantime, she also started this podcast called Generation X, which she'd gone through a divorce and, you know, 
leaving her company, a lot of big changes. This this podcast, and she mentioned it on our episode, was, I mean, she goes there. She and her friend, yeah. they're talking about dating in your 50s and just even like a glossary of terms of the stuff that like these guys don't know say that they're so into <laughs> and they don't even know what it means. They're like, I don't know what pegging is. I don't know what this I know. is. It's, I don't know. I, I had to Google that in a minute in a private window. <laughs> and it's so, yeah, she said she went there and that is not, she is doing a, um, a new podcast now called She's Got Issues, which may or may not come out next month. She's kind of, she's kind of, yeah. eh, she's going to start something. when it starts. Yeah. But there's like 10 episodes of this old podcast. So while you're waiting for her new podcast to start, you can listen to. And oh my God, I don't know. It might be one of those things where my husband just puts it on my rotation to make me appreciate him more. <laughs> like that I don't have to go do this. I don't know if I could ever do it. I don't know if I could date again. I, yes. I hope I never have to find out, but I am not yeah. sure that I am cut out for today's modern dating. Apparently not, because I don't know what pegging is. And now that I knew what, do know what it is, I'm just Oh, like... you learned on the podcast? <laughs> yes. okay, I'm going to have to listen to the podcast. Maybe I'm that's like... better than Googling. I don't know. I got enough stuff in my closet <laughs> to organize. I don't need like all this new equipment. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, no, I'm not judging. I'm not shaming. I told you we no. were watching. We were watching that great Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, what's it called? Oh, it was another look, listen, learn. Sex and goop. Sex or and goop, goop or whatever. Or and like everybody has their kinks. That was one of the things that came out of that. And you may not think of it as a kink because you're like, oh, it's just a nice thing that I like. I like to, you know, have warm socks on while I do it. I don't know. I just pull stuff out of nowhere. Apparently, that's supposed to be really good for men to <laughs> keep their socks on. Oh, really? This is not a sex podcast, but <laughs> just in case. <laughs> anyway, so I'm not I am not judging anybody on their pegging or their their kinks or whatever it may be, because I think we all have one and we just don't realize that it has a name for it. Right. But right. Um, but yeah, it's just, again, a whole glossary of terms and vocabulary that I was just like, what? what? Like, I need to pause every five minutes. And be like, what are you talking about? Um, but yeah, so for any women who are going through a divorce or dating or whatever the case may be. I don't even think it's just midlife. It's anybody at any age. Um, right. they, they give it from a midlife point of view, but I just like dating those... now, if you're dating now dating for any reason, now. it's a very different yeah. situation. And yeah. if you're dating in an online dating space, just yes. like hear my voice right now saying you are brilliant <laughs> and you are beautiful and try as much as you can to let that stuff slough off of you because it's a painful place to be. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they, and she's, I think that her new podcast is going to address a lot of those things too. The reason they paused it was not because they had solved the problem of online and midlife <laughs> dating. It was because they were like, we're not, it was all about sex and dating. And they're like, we're not having sex or dating right now because of the pandemic. Right. So they paused it, which I argued that that is when people probably needed that podcast most is because they're still working through those you know, the issues are just feeling like they're either lonely or the companionship. Um, so yes, but I'm very happy to know that she has a new one coming up because yeah. she's got such a fun voice. I mean, she brought it to Scary Mommy and she's bringing it now to a different stage of her life. And I love that she's exploring that side of herself and yeah, and just trying new things, stepping out there and trying new things like we all should be doing. So especially on those dating websites, apparently <laughs> there's... <laughs> But with that in mind, should we end on that high note? Of <laughs> I think we should end on that very entertaining <laughs> note. Uh, but yes, so, oh my gosh, Doreen, this has been so much fun. Thank you for putting up with our X-ratedness there at the end. I'm sure that you get a lot. I'm sure oh, that you hear it yeah, all. I'm sure. Tame. That's nothing. <laughs> I know. Um, oh, I learned so much and I want to have you back and learn more. Like, I, I feel like we did back. not even get into half of the things we wanted to talk about. So I know. I, know. Well, I would need to do a part two honored to come point. back. Oh, well, you. keep writing those books. I mean, every single yes. one of them, I was like, oh, that one I need, that one I need, that one I need. Yeah. So yes, yes. you have, you have a dedicated, uh, automatic purchase from anything that you write in the future from <laughs> yeah. us. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you All so right. much. Well, thank you so much. And yet we'll have links to your website yep. and some of the meditations and stuff in the show notes. And Absolutely. Yeah, so, so looking forward for more people getting to know you as well, because 
Oh, especially as we are, uh, I, I always say relaunching, but because re we talk about careers a lot, right. but restarting well, we our of... lives. And uh, yeah, there's it means so much in so many different levels. So highly recommend Restart for all of y'all. Yes. Because uh, eventually, it, it might as well start now. So we're prepared. You're well, in the right I, mindset yeah, for say, when they say go. Yeah, you can't start. I'm not really enough. waiting for some magic uh, pandemic end anymore. Because yeah. I don't, that's not happening the way we initially envisioned it happening. So yeah. now we'll just get out there, restart in this, yeah. whatever this is. Preheat your restart is what we're going to do. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Maybe our episode oh, that's title. really good. <laughs> All right. Well, so nice meeting you. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank this you. Such a fun, it's so nice to just be, get to be casual. Just thank you. I yes. have to like be super Doctory. I just appreciate <laughs> we, it. Thank you. We are that is all not CNN casual. for sure. <laughs> I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, oh, this right. is so much fun. Thank you so much. Thanks Have a great rest of the day. You too. Right. Okay. Bye. Bye, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you know someone else who could benefit from the episode, please be sure and share it with them. And while we're begging please subscribe and rate us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in our show notes or over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, find us over at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. The links to that group and all of our socials can be found at momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you more than you know. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.